Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 60. Woo! 60. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Ooh, Still okay. awkward as fuck. <laughs> First off, Patreoners, we see you. We're thankful. You're the best. We're looking at you, Jane N. from New York. Candace P. from Kentucky. I don't know. I don't know. It sounded real good in my head. Uh-huh. Tawny M. from Alberta, Canada. <laughs> okay, Oprah. <laughs> you get a Patreon. You get a Patreon. You get a bonus episode. You get a bonus episode. You get the bloopers. Thank y'all so freaking much for being part of the Patreon <laughs> Edge, why can I never say words like I that? Don't know. I, don't I mean, know. literally, I just made words up and then I forget the word. Yeah. Anyway, so thank y'all for being part of the Creepinati, aka the Patreon, aka your Patreoners. Yep. Thank you. We couldn't do it without y'all. Thank you so much for your support. For those who want to know other ways that you can support us, don't forget you can always subscribe, review on Apple Podcasts and all of the other platforms. Yes, that, that really is, does help. Yes. So, okay. On with the show. Onward. Also, if you're in a group and they're saying, ooh, what podcast should I listen to? Y'all been doing a good job of shouting this out. I see you because you know I'm in every group. I was about to say, chances are Donna probably has already said it, <laughs> but y'all say it too. Yes. Like, that really does help. Mm-hmm. That way, it's not just me, you know, like, shamelessly self-promoting. Mm-hmm. I have backups. You know, I have, like, five stars from... Blah, 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 blah. Two thumbs up from blah, 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 blah. You like that? That's how that works. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So today I was talking to Michael. Mm -hmm. He is in the group. He is one of our resident witchy friends. Yep. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so we were talking and he was talking about the crone of the cat scales. Mm -hmm. The little stall. From Mm -hmm. last week. Easy for you to say. Yes. Yeah, from last episode. And he said that he thinks it was an earth spirit or like a natural spirit. Uh And it was bound in that statue. And it only wants to go back to the pond or the lake where it was. But then someone fucking rubbed the lamp and put it in the statue. So that's why... You smell the pond water and stuff, and isn't that sad? Well, and let then, him out. How yes, you let him out? I don't know. And he was like, can you imagine? You know, he just wants to go back to the pond where, you know, he's just trying to get home and do all of this stuff. And it's I mean, like, I watched Aladdin 10,000 years. <laughs> I'll give you such a crick in the neck. <laughs> Man, you are so good. <laughs> but Phenomenal cosmic power. <laughs> live in space (laughs) (laughs) she did her hands y'all yeah sure did but i just thought that was a good like a different perspective that's so true that makes me feel sorry for the demon i was like thing i was like oh my god sad face but in that like i was like that's a very interesting perspective yeah i would have never thought of no no that's sad no because i mean i feel like it really wasn't like a bad like nothing bad happened. Yeah. It was again well, like, I mean, the presence known. And well, unless you count that he really did swallow the coffin nails and the TV almost fallen on him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things when oh. he was trying to kill the guy. Mm-hmm. And you say I don't listen to what you say. <laughs> 
So we have that interesting perspective. And now onto something else that's interesting. Have you heard about Kim Kardashian's new true crime show? No. I know she's wanting to be an, like an attorney or something. She's wanting to go back to school or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't really keep up with the Kardashians. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I don't either, but I saw this in a group. And some people were hating on her and stuff because what it's going to be, because she's apparently got like, oh, I don't, of course I didn't remember the number. Duh. But it's like, say, 19 people out in the last like 30 days. And it was all really harsh sentenced people Uh for petty drug. Yeah. And so that's what she wants to focus on. I mean, she's not trying to get... All these huge things, yeah. She's not trying to get Adnan out or, like... Yeah, because... And she's funding all of this herself. Yeah. So she has lawyer people that she's hired, and they do the, like, actual litigation shit. But she's the one who's funding everything, and... Well, if you think about... I mean, her dad was one of the top attorneys. Yeah. Well, and so... People were just, like, ragging on her. And, look, I am not a fan of her. Like, I, I just could care less about them. Uh-huh. And I don't like Kanye. No, fuck so, no. <laughs> I, I have not liked Kanye from the jump. Right. I mean, Remember he, that? Yeah, you called it tally for fucking Carrie. Because I have said from day one, mm-hmm. I don't like him. So that's coming from someone who's not a fan. Yeah. But that's awesome. Because yeah. that's what we talk about is how harsh these drug charges are and stuff in correlation to you know i tried to kill someone that i raped and oh only five years yes you know well and i think too it speaks to the to the greater issues of the inconsistencies and sentencing yeah that was that's hard to say inconsistencies (laughs) and sentencing and again just like okay so take all this shit with the Varsity Blues, you know, coming out with Lori Laughlin and all of them. Yeah. Okay, so what's her name from Desperate Housewives? Uh, they all just pled guilty, and they're probably going to get a fine, maybe something, you know, no big deal. Felicity Huffman. Yeah. Whereas Lori Laughlin and them haven't, they didn't plead guilty because it would come with, like, a mandatory time in jail. And so... They're rich. They're going to fight this, you know. And mm-hmm. again, meanwhile, you have people who have gone to jail to by sending their kids to just a different school district. Yeah. You know, like using a grandparent's address instead of their address to send their kids to a better school district. Mm-hmm. And they're going to jail. Well, then so do the, you know, so it's, yeah. the, it's the disparities in the sentencing as it relates to socioeconomic status, race, gender, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. So I think that it. It's good that she's taken a stand on, a, you know, okay, she's, yeah. she wants to fix the disparity as it relates to drug sentencing. Boom. She's doing something about it. Yeah. And I she's salute using, that. She's using her privilege. She's using her money. Like, it's not. Her intelligence, too, though, because yeah. I really do think that she's got a, she, I mean, not that you, just because your dad's an attorney makes you smarter, just because your dad's a doctor, you know doctor shit, but. Still, though, you yeah. know, like, well, she she might have more of a mind for it. Yeah, well, even, not even the law stuff, she's got a mind for, I mean, they make money for a reason, mm-hmm. and she's got the business mind, she's got ideas that are creative, that maybe she can see, I mean, come on, legally blonde people, 
you know, there's always a different route to where uh, you need to get. Donna stomp your last season part of shoes at me, girl. <laughs> so, I mean, I really think, hey, bravo. Everyone likes true crime. That's just mm-hmm. showing you that everyone likes true crime. And she's doing what we all wish we could do. Yeah. But we ain't got the money to. Mm-mm. Or the connections and all yeah. that. So, good props for her. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't have oxygen, and that's where it's coming on, I think. I do. I'll record it. Okay. I was going to say, because that might have to be a watch party or something. Because, mm-hmm. you know, even though, like, I really like what she's doing, it's probably going to be a hate watch. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, absolutely. But it's just the fact, hey, she's getting shit done, and... I mean, if you need guest stars on your thing, look us up. All right, y'all. So for Patreon, I covered the I Survived episodes for one of the bonus episodes. Episode, episode? Is it episodes of people surviving for the bonus episodes? Mm -hmm. Yep, for Patreon. But they're episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. Episodes. Like, episodes. (laughs) Yes. Okay, just checking. And we have, like, clips of episodes. (laughs) In the episode. Um, But seriously, we do. But when I was looking for this this month's story, I saw a show called Paranormal Survivor. Mm. And so I thought I would check out the episode and kind of do it like I do the I Survived. But we're not going to have audio. It's just going to be me telling it. Like our I Survived if you aren't in the Patreon, it has clips from the show yeah. that, like, add to the story that I tell. Okay. <laughs> it's a little... Uh, She-she. Yes. All right. Picture it. 1980, Freetown, Massachusetts. Ten-year-old Brian Mello moved with his family to a new big house in the country. They had been in a small apartment previously, so this was super exciting Offered endless possibilities for fun. This house was a dream. Until Brian became a teenager and it quickly turned into a nightmare. Dun, dun, dun. By this time, he's 15 years old. And at first, it was just the strange noises that we all know. It seemed to occur every night at 11 p.m. He would hear footsteps coming up the stairs and fade into an extra bedroom that his parents used as their office. He didn't think anything of it at first. He thought that they were doing some late-night paperwork before they hit the hay. Quote-unquote paperwork. Mm -hmm. Mm, Some paperwork. (laughs) One time after several of these nightly footsteps, he went to check and see if it was, in fact, his parents. He slowly walked into the office, calling out for them. But the room was dark and quiet and cold. So cold that he could see his breath. Oh, shit. He quickly left because he had such a bad vibe. Yeah. The next night, the footsteps happened again and again and again. He tried his best to ignore it, but it started to affect his sleep. And it seemed like he was the only one to hear these strange sounds. Filled the cold spots. All of that, his parents were oblivious to. But one morning, Brian went down for breakfast, and he looked so fucking exhausted. And his mom finally asked, what's going on? What's wrong? So he told him about the house and the occurrences and all of this. He said, it's like two people are going up the stairs into their office every night at 11 p.m. 
And now there was knocking going on as well. Driving him fucking crazy. But like any good parents, they dismissed him and was like, this house is fine. We have been fine here for five years. It's Mm -hmm. all blissful. Like, go play a video game. But soon, Brian wasn't the only target for the strange incidences. It was after school. Two or three of his friends were over, and they were being cool kids in the basement, playing pool, smoking cigarettes. And then they heard the front door open. They fucking panicked. They thought they had been caught red-handed. They heard the door, you know, open, close, and then footsteps going up the stairs. So, Brian went up there ready to be grounded, everything, but he couldn't find anyone. He went up the stairs. No one's there. He went back down, and he noticed the deadbolt hadn't been touched. It was still there. Fine. So, by now, he goes back down. All the teens agree, you know, something's going on in the neighborhood. Yeah. Who going to call? Ghostbusters. Ouija board. Way worse. Bad, Way worse. bad, bad idea. Mm-hmm. Sidebar, did his parents smoke in the house? Because, I mean, otherwise, uh, you're going to get fucking caught if you smoke it inside. He was 15. He was stupid. I will say, though, back in the day, people used to say if you, like smoked out your window, and you had, like, an open mustard container in your room, it would, like, get rid of the smoke smell. Really? Uh Uh-huh. It didn't work. (laughs) I mean, I never tried it because my parents would have smelled it an instant. Yeah. Instant. But I do remember one time, this was in high school. Oh, shit. And I was, I would smoke my cigarettes on the front of the house, like, Mm -hmm. the front little patio part, so that I could see if my parents came home, and I could, like, quickly just, like, stomp it out and, like, get rid of it. Yeah, and y'all had, like, bushes in front. Yeah. Well, and my dad used to smoke, too. Yeah. So, well, he was not supposed to come home. And <laughs> my sister Casey was home, and so I was like, oh, well, because normally, because I, I kept my, my pack of cigarettes hidden in my top drawer. And so, in normally. In your drawer? Yeah. So, normally, I would just get, like, one cigarette, go smoke it, you know, so I didn't have the pack with me out there, but. Uh, I was like, well, Casey's here. When she gets done dressed, getting, you know, when she gets done drying her hair or whatever, she'll probably come out here and smoke with me. So I'll just bring my pack outside. <laughs> I'm sitting there smoking. I'm talking like, I don't even know how, I don't even know. I'm sitting there smoking. And I, I see my dad pull up. And I was like, shit. And like, <laughs> I think the thing was still lit. And oh I like God. flicked it. And I had on a, a snug shirt. And I just like (laughs) stuck it my pack under my shirt on my stomach and then just like covered it with my hands like I had my hands on my stomach. Oh, my God. And (laughs) dad came up and like sat in the chair beside me on the porch. And he was like, what you doing out here? And I was like, oh, you know, I was just hot from show choir. So I just was sitting out here for some fresh air. Uh, and he was like, "Okay," And like he sat out there with me forever. And I was like. What like what am I gonna do? Like I'm holding the pack of cigarettes under yeah. my shirt in, you know. He was like, Okay, well, see you in a minute. And like went inside and I was like, Fuck Oh my And we God. had something outside, I can't remember what it was, and I like hid the pack of cigarettes <laughs> and it went inside. Years later, like I'm talking like maybe three three, five years ago, maybe not even that long ago. I told him that story and he was like, I had no idea. Oh, my God. Because he was, I think, at the time, hiding cigarettes, too. Uh And so he probably didn't smell it. Yeah. Or thought it was himself. It was like, don't say anything. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. Now I would be able to, you know, like, how could you not smell it? Yes. And again, he probably could. And yeah, I don't know. All right. Back to Brian, his friends and the old Ouija board. They had no clue how much they would soon regret opening the box and therefore opening a portal. No. A guy, Scott, and Brian started playing. So both hands are on the planchette, and a girl was sitting beside Scott. Obviously scared, obviously annoyed, she knew what was up. Mm-hmm. Five minutes go by, and it's boring, dull, and then they start asking questions like, Who's here? Answer, Jim. Do you know anyone here? Answer, yes. And then it spelled out the girl's name. Nope. She said that she had a friend named Jim who died in a car accident. Nope. So she got her stuff, stormed out, thinking that they were playing a cruel joke on her. After she left, the boys still play. They thought, okay, we have finally contacted whoever's in this house, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. And we all know, even if you are a trained professional Ouija board player. Okay. Mm-hmm. They have tournaments like the chess players? Yes. Okay. There is no way you can control what happens in a session 100%. And they didn't know this. What had happened was they opened a portal that allowed the spirits to manifest into something more physical. Mm-mm. Let's get Physical. 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 One morning after this, Brian's mom told him that his dad actually had gotten up a few times hearing something. And when he went out into the hall to inspect, he was faced with a shadow person right outside of Brian's door. Uh uh uh. The dad told his mom that he felt someone right in front of him. He felt a cold sensation when he bumped into the shadow person. Oh, God. But the first thought was, he must have been dreaming, but then it kept happening. See, it's all fun and games. You don't fucking believe your kid. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, Too you late. walk into a fucking shadow person. <laughs> yep. Oh, excuse me. Didn't see you there. Also, around this time, Brian's parents allowed Scott, the friend who did the Ouija board with him, to move into their house. He slept in an extra bed in Brian's room. It wasn't soon after that that the noises started again, right at 11 p.m. I'm sensing a pattern. Mm-hmm. And this time, they both heard it. The door handle started to rattle. The whole door started to shake. And now they could hear three voices. What? Mm-hmm. The boys tried to be as quiet as they could, but then Scott whispered, Do you see what I see? All Brian could do was nod because his mouth was wide open in fucking fear. He probably fear farted. <laughs> right in front of them was a shadow person. Brian described it as being darker than the darkness of the room. You could see the outline of the head and shoulders, but the face was featureless. And even so, they could tell that it was looking in their direction directly at them. Mm-mm. Then, suddenly, Scott let out a terrifying scream because a spider was on the floor. No, I'm just kidding. 
I was like, uh. <laughs> no. All that. And uh-huh. you get scared about a spider. Okay, Carrie. <laughs> Tell some shit I do. Mm-hmm. No, he screamed because something was on his chest. It knocked him backwards and pinned him down. They knew in this moment that something had changed. Something darker was now fucking present. Dun, dun, dun. Scott ended up moving out shortly after that because he was like, look, I don't actually have to be here. Exactly. So, bye. So, now Brian's parents are taking note. Like, okay, this boy who needed to move in with us Mm -hmm. is like, nah, I'd do better back where I was. Yeah. So, now that they're actually paying attention and say, okay, something's going on. Brian told them about them playing with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And so his dad, trying to be the brave one, burned the board in the backyard. No, dad. No. Mm-hmm. As the board was burned and reduced to ashes, they all breathed a sigh of relief. Not for long. But what they didn't know was that burning the board made the spirits even stronger. Mm-hmm. Soon, there was scratching and clawing on the walls, and it would all start behind his headboard, then go up to the ceiling, and then all the other walls, Uh surrounding Brian as he tried to sleep. I know I say this like every fucking episode, (laughs) but don't mess with my sleep. Right? Not in my bedtime. Needless to say, he was fucking tormented, and he began praying that it would stop. And then suddenly... There was an eerie silence that replaced the scratching, and Brian collapsed on his bed, exhausted physically and emotionally, and he was hopeful that that had done the trick. But his hopes were soon shattered. In the next few days, the noises in the wall grew even louder, and his parents even began hearing it. Well, about time, though. I mean, I know it's like, oh, hey, so dad ran into a shadow person in the hall tonight, or last night, or whatever, but it's yeah. like, I still feel like they didn't really, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, it seemed to be feeding off of their fear, which we know happens. Mm-hmm. One night, they were all eating dinner together at the table, spaghetti. Suddenly, Brian gets a strange sensation, and he tells his parents that he could feel someone or something right behind him. Right after he said that, he jumped to his feet, hollering in pain. He said he could feel something burning on his back. He said it felt like being burnt by a cigarette. Mm. So his dad lifted his shirt to see what was causing the fucking pain. Yeah. And there were three long scratches. I knew it. They started from the top of his shoulder blades and went all the way down to the bottom of his back. Dang. Right above his crack. This was the final straw. His parents were now determined to get whatever was in their house out. So they called in a paranormal investigator to help. He walked around the entire home, and his first instinct was that the builder had disturbed some unmarked graves. Those initial footsteps and noises were just disturbed spirits from that, and they were harmless. And while he was doing his rounds of the house, he could feel that most of the energy was centered around Brian's room. When he went inside, he immediately asked, have you been playing with the spirit board? And of course, Brian was like, uh, yeah. So I did a thing with my friend. (laughs) 
the investigator said that the spirit board had brought in the evil spirits. He went upstairs and opened a window in a room. Then he went back down to the basement and started cleansing. And he worked his way up all through the rooms and finally got to the room where he had opened the window before. It was as if he was wrangling those spirits up and forcing them out the window. So I should say he cleaned all rooms except one. And that was Brian's room. This one he knew that they were going to have to do more work in. And so he asked Brian's mom to help him cleanse the room because she wasn't scared. She was a mama bear and no one was going to hurt her family. When they entered the room, Brian's mom felt a heaviness on top of her. Like a spirit was trying to hold her back. They both started reciting prayers and using holy water. While they were doing this, downstairs at the dinner table, Brian and his dad were sitting and waiting. All of a sudden, the table started to rumble and shake, and a loud piercing sound forced them to cover their ears. So they got up, ran upstairs to the room, and helped with the cleansing. And that was enough to force the spirits out. Wow. All of a sudden, the heaviness was gone like nothing ever happened. And from that day on, no spirit activity ever plagued their house again. And they were all paranormal survivors. Wow. Fucking teens, dude. Fucking teens. Fucking gotta ruin everything. (laughs) Golly. Don't do a Ouija board. (laughs) Just do drugs. And if you don't listen, go back and listen to the episode that Donna talks about it and follow those instructions. Yes. She has a very comprehensive list. (laughs) Comprehensive. Comprehensive. Comprehensive list. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's got everything on it you need to know about operating a fucking Ouija board. Mm -hmm. Check that out before you wreck yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that shit on the side is like a three-year-old to a... Yeah. 88 year old or whatever yeah. the age range is ridiculous mm-hmm. it's i cannot believe that's like a child's toy right wow that was good i liked that awesome just a little something different mm-hmm. well this week i'm bringing it back home okay and we're staying in mississippi uh-oh shit's gonna go down so picture it young girl beautiful just living her best life and she's hanging out with two friends in the morning, you know, they're just doing friend things, you know, <laughs> <laughs> things that friends do. Mm-hmm. And then she is a girl after my own heart. And she went back after that to her mom's house so she could take a nap. Mm-hmm. Sidebar, that reminds me of my friend Katie. She, it doesn't matter, like, what she's doing, anything. When she has a really good night of, like, partying, the next day... She will go to her mama's house and take a nap on her mama's couch. Oh, like, my god! Every time. She's like, it's the best, like, it's the best couch to recover from. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Recover on, I guess I should say. Anyway. Later that afternoon when she woke up, she was getting text messages from somebody. You know, she, do, 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 doing what teenagers do. And she told her mom, she's like, all right, I'm going to go get something to eat and go clean out my car. About 5.30, she goes to a gas station and there's secu- security. <laughs> security. <laughs> there's security footage of her like waving to somebody off camera and walking towards them and then she goes back gets in her car and drives away about 30 minutes after she was seen on the security footage from the gas station 
Her cell phone kind of pinged around the area a couple of different places within the next hour. While her cell phone's doing some of the pinging, she calls her mom, and her mom notices that she's not as talkative as usual, but nothing, you know, nothing came of the conversation. And then the next time she and her car are seen, it's by first responders, as she is walking away from her car, her car and the tree next to it are engulfed in flames, and so is she. Mm, God bless her heart. And she's walking away from her car, and the first responders say that she's walking like a zombie. When the first responders, like, get to her, they say, who did this? Instead, like, they don't say, like, what happened? They say, who did this? And she answers either Eric or Derek, and they're not sure what she says. Some say that she may have even have said a wreck, but the first responders think that she says Eric or Derek. She was covered in burns all over her body. She's so badly burned that they have to airlift her to a hospital in Memphis to take better care of her. And that next morning is when she actually passes away from her injuries. Well, of course, they're doing digging to see who she is and what happened and everything because they find out that it could not be an accident. It could not have been a wreck because she had flammable liquids poured all over her body. And so you're like, okay, well, you know, that could be, you know, she had a wreck and the gas can blew up or, you know, whatever. But the gas was also poured down her throat Mm, and mm -hmm. nose. So they figure out that the victim is Jessica Lane Chambers. Yeah, there's like a whole podcast from Oxygen. Mm-hmm. That's what I listen to. It's called Unspeakable Crime, The Killing of Jessica Chambers. So this is just going to be a general overview. It's yeah. going to be, I mean, this is like trying to put a whole season into an episode. Yeah, it's like putting cold into one episode. You yeah, know? yeah. Going to be, you know, it's an overview. Once they figure out you know, who she is and all of that. And after she's passed, they found out, you know, that she had the accelerant on her. It was in her throat, all of that, and how badly burned she was. That's when they start kind of going, okay, hmm, what the hell actually happened? Because, again, for it to be a a wreck, why would she have all that accelerant on her? You know, all that stuff I said already. So they also find her keys along a road near the crime scene. But I know that they touch on that in the podcast. There's some sketch yeah. stuff around that about how it was found and all of that. That Like, they used her cell phone, like I told you, to, you know, kind of track her movements and see who she saw and when. And so, again, they knew she had seen her friends. They knew where she was around, around the time of the, I'm calling it a murder. And they have what the first responders are saying is that, She said either Eric or Derek. So they start to go, okay, who would have done this? She had a boyfriend, and they questioned him, but he was actually in jail at the time. And so... (laughs) Well, that's a good alibi. Yeah, I mean, he definitely had an alibi. And then, you know, they were interviewing everybody they could find named Eric or Derek. Because Cortland, Mississippi is a very small town, like... 500 residents like like very very low population most people knew each other like it was not like 
you know, Houston or something, and you're trying to find, okay, give me all the Eric's and Derek's, you know, and it's (laughs) like, okay, well, there's 7 billion. Yeah. They used Jessica's cell phone data to try to figure out, you know, who she was with. And her cell phone data showed that she was with a guy by the name of Quentin Tellis around 730. And that, you know, Back when I told you that her cell phone pinged in a couple locations, it pinged in Batesville and then about 30 minutes later went back to Cortland and cell phone data proved how he, that he was with her mm-hmm. when it pinged in those different places. Well, originally, Quentin said that he had been with her in the morning and he said, yeah, you know, saw her in the morning and I did go to a store in Batesville, but I wasn't with her i wasn't around her but then there was some surveillance video that that caught him like 15 minutes after the fire it was it was it just didn't line up with his story i feel like we're talking about an episode of that that show on id that's all about the oh see no evil yes yes i was thinking you were talking about the uh like the cell phone stuff oh yeah 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 okay then he changed his story again and said that he was, he was like, okay, I was with her until about 7 p.m. But then he said that somebody came and picked him up. But then when the police questioned that friend, his friend was like, no, I was at a football game in Nashville. Like, I wasn't even <laughs> here. And then the police were able to confirm his alibi of being in Nashville. And so the police were like, all right, Quentin. The fuck, like what, like what you doing? What's the what's the real story here? You've lied to us twice. What the fuck's going on? Yeah, and he was like, okay, okay, okay. I picked her up that night. We went and had Taco Bell in Batesville, which was the first cell phone ping. And he said, then we went back to my house, hung out in the driveway, listened to some music, and then he said that she left from there, like she was driving. Well, then the thing is, though, is that she couldn't have left at seven because. The location data on her phone and the surveillance video from the gas station that's right next to his house showed that she left at 7.30 and from there drove to the area where she was found. And so the police, of course, are like, it's unlikely that she would have just like bumped into someone within that 30 minutes that set her car and her on fire. Like, you know, not a car accident where the car blew up or, you know. Yeah. No, she was set on fire. Well, and remember, I said there was some sketch shit about how they found the keys. But Quentin Tellis's DNA was found on the keys. And the keys that had his DNA on it were found, like, on a path between the crime scene and his sister's house. There's also some surveillance videos that show his sister's car stopped at his house for just a second at like 750 then drive off towards the crime scene the surveillance video also showed that he changed his clothes three times that day so what they're thinking happened is that yeah they went and ate at taco bell came back when they were hanging out in the driveway he tried to have sex with her and she was like absolutely not like got a boyfriend and so they think maybe he strangled her knocked her unconscious and so drove her car up there ran back to his sister's house you know on foot and then stopped at his house got his gas can and all and then went so that's why his sister's car was Mm. at his house 
Another thing that Quentin did that's pretty fucking sketch, aside from lying three times to the police, was that he, like, within one hour of Jessica dying, he had deleted every trace of her on his phone. He had deleted all text messages, everything, and he wasn't texting her. Like, there, there's no way that he would have known that she was dead, and he had already stopped texting her. You know, they had been in, they had been texting all the time, all that stuff, and then boom, he just stops for no reason. Right. That's convenient when now she's dead. And then, like, all the text messages that he had with her before that he deleted, because, yeah, so they're not going to still be on her phone, dude. Right. Was him trying to get her to have sex. And, like, four times throughout that day, he had texted her being like, hey, let's fuck. And she's like, no. Yeah. The other thing about the evidence and just one another complication in this case is the first responders saying that she said Derek or Eric. Mm-hmm. Because if they said who did this, it's a leading question versus what happened. But also, the amount of burns that she sustained, the question is, could she have actually spoken? There was a lot of back and forth where lots of different experts, doctors, speech-language pathologists, saying that there was no way that she could have spoken that was clear enough to understand it would have been more of sounds just because again she had an accelerant poured down her throat Um, her mouth was so badly burned that according to experts it would have been impossible for her to actually have formed words it would have been more like maybe grunts or or just sounds that she was making well quentin tellis says Well, if y'all think she said Eric or Derek, there is this guy named Derek Holmes who was stalking Jessica. And Derek Holmes is a sex offender. Derek Holmes and Jessica had been seen together, but his alibi was solid. And so it wasn't him. Mm. The other thing with the Eric Derek business, there was nobody in her phone that she had text talked with in the last 30 days named Eric or Derek. In October of 2017, Quentin Tellis goes on trial for the murder of Jessica Chambers. Okay, can you imagine this, what I'm about to tell you? When the verdict was read, it said, they said not guilty. But the jury misunderstood the instructions, and a lot of them had voted guilty. And so... It took an hour for them to sort all that shit out, and they decided that it was a hung jury. So I just, can you imagine the emotional roller coaster of <laughs> being, you know, Quentin Tellis and being like, yes, and being the family and being like, no. Mm-hmm. And then the jury being like, hold up. No, no, no. I said guilty. Yeah. And then it coming back and it being a fucking mistrial. Like, the emotional, that hour wait while the jury figured that shit out, or, you know, the court figured that shit out, would have been the longest hour of their lives. So the prosecutors retried it, September of 2018. During this time, the prosecutors got a bunch more shit together. They had more expert witnesses. They were ready. This was when, like I said, they brought in the burn specialists, 
Dr. William Hickerson, you know, because the the defense really wants to hang their hat on this Eric and Derek thing because, you know, if that's who she said, why would she, in her dying declaration, last breath, who killed you, why would she say the wrong name? So they're really trying to hang their hat on this. The first responders aren't budging. They're like, no, that's what we heard. You know, I really think that's what we heard. At the second trial, some of them were a little less confident in their, like, yeah, no, that's what I heard. But, of course, it was, of course, at that point, it was four years later. And so, so the prosecution's job was they had to figure out how the hell to disprove this Eric and Derek thing. Well, when Dr. Hickerson is on the stand, you know, he's getting cross-examined pretty hard because they're like, well, you know, she was walking and talking according to the first responders, like, and you're saying that she couldn't talk. And he's like, you know, basically he did the, if the glove doesn't fit, you must quit. Like he had his little line, but he said, you know, basically this is my expert opinion. And my mama didn't raise no liar. <laughs> the speech and language pathologist that they interviewed said, you know, my expert opinion, given the severity of what I saw is that it would have been impossible for her to make articulate sounds because she didn't, like, have the lung capacity. She didn't have the tongue, the cheeks, or the soft palate to make the proper mm-hmm. functions. So needless to say, all of that was burned. In spite of all the extra expert witnesses, this second trial also resulted in a mistrial from a hung jury. So what next? Because now they've had two mistrials because the jury could just could not reach a verdict. They just couldn't figure out. Basically, it came down to, did she say Eric or Derek or didn't she? Yeah. You've got first responders saying, well, this is what we heard. But you also have this expert testimony from a physician who is a burn specialist and a speech-language pathologist saying, no, there's no way she could have made words. The girl didn't have a tongue. Well... Right now, Mississippi is waiting to see what Louisiana does with Quentin Tellis before they decide whether or not to have a third trial. Because Quentin Tellis is in prison right now in Louisiana because he pled guilty to using a victim's debit card after their death. So he got a 10-year sentence as a habitual offender in Louisiana. But this is what happened in that case. The debit card that he's convicted of using is the debit card of Ming Chen Sao. And she was a Taiwanese exchange student who was in the States, obviously, as an exchange student. Because <laughs> I just said that. And she was robbed of her Chase Bank debit card and basically tortured with a knife until she gave her pin number. She eventually died from her injuries and she had been stabbed and cut 30 times. Fuck. And her body had just been left out to rot and decompose. Like just fucking discarded like nothing. Well, Tellus fucking used her debit card. And got $1,000 cash out. Damn. So, how did he have her pin Mm -hmm. if he's not the one that fucking tortured her and killed her? So, right now, 
basically they don't have anything on him to prove that he killed her. So in order to avoid that whole murder business, <laughs> he pled guilty to that, to using the debit card. And that's why he got the 10 years. So right now he's, you know, in jail for that. So I, I feel like it's kind of a waiting game now to see if and what Louisiana can do about her death and Mississippi's waiting to see what happens over there. Because if he ends up getting convicted and sentenced to life for that murder, Mississippi's probably not going to pay for a third trial. Because the second trial, they already had to move to another county for a fair trial because it was, you know, it's such a big story. Yeah. So it's a clusterfuck. There's so much to it. There's so much. There's so much to it. I just feel so sorry for her family because, you know, not only did Jessica die from this horrible murder, but her poor parents, her brother had died just two years before her Mm. in a car accident. So it's just like that poor family. Like I cannot even imagine that level of grief. And then, you know, not only so you've had two children die, both unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. And then after that to be put through two different murder trials Mm -hmm. I can't, like, my brain does not process that. Yeah. And what pisses me off, too, is that I firmly believe that, based on the evidence, allegedly, (laughs) (laughs) don't sue me, tell his family, but, I mean, that he did it. And I think that he's basically gotten away with fucking murder twice. Mm. And it just makes me so angry, because surely in this day and age, there's some sort of fucking evidence that could prove that he did this. Right. Ugh. Like, I mean, if they, they can find a killer on fucking forensic files based on one damn blue fucking fiber found that was on this fucking rug that they proved that they bought at, like, some superstore in 1943. Like, yeah. why the fuck can't they figure this this out? Like, yeah. it's just like this fucking piece of shit has gotten away with two murders. Like, horrible murder horrible yeah she was stabbed 30 times and she was alive for all of it because they were trying to get her fucking pin number from her and then you're fucking poured gasoline down her fucking throat Mm -mm. so you know she was tortured some i mean and i guess she could have been unconscious because they thought she might have but fuck Mm -mm. Uh uh-uh So, that is just, like, the saddest story to me. Yeah. Very heartbreaking. But if you want to know all the extra details, check out that podcast. And then I think Oxygen has, like, a document. Um, not a document. They don't have just, just one document. A word document. <laughs> they're PowerPoint. Kick- I was No, they're kicking it real old school. It's WordPad. Oh, gosh. And, anyway, check out Oxygen's docuseries. On it too, because and then I think there was even a People magazine, you know, I, that show on ID mm-hmm. People magazine. I think there was one of those about it too. Mm. So I know that there's a ton out there that this was just kind of a cursory glance. Yeah, at the case. get people familiar with it, mm-hmm. get her mm-hmm. story out there. Yes, God, you know, and just it's such a small town. You know, a lot of the like one of the articles I read from a um, a local newspaper was saying like. You know, it is. It's a small town. The people who live there still feel safe. This was kind of a... A one-off? Yeah. And they, you know, it's a 
terrible tragedy for their town, but they're like, this is not, you know, what we want our town to be known for. But, golly, like, let's just get this solved. You know, I wish I knew what the jury saw that made them feel like, for some of them, that he wasn't guilty. It probably is the Eric Derek thing, because if these first responders are saying that, Mm -hmm. then there is reasonable doubt. Yeah. Well, and, you know, some people were saying that race could be a factor, too, because Jessica was white, Quentin's black, you know, it's North Mississippi, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, typically kind of a more rural area, Mm -hmm. um, smaller towns. It tends to be a more, like, a lower socioeconomic, like, population there with kind of working class, that type of thing. But in the Cortland area, the demographic really is 50-50. Like, it's, there's, it's split. 50% white, 50% black. So, some people are saying, but, I mean, if you look at the demographics of the area and yada, 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 it race really didn't play a part in it, but some people are saying that it does, so... Again, there's so much about the trial and all that I don't know, too. So, it could I mean, it could be, but I don't know. Okay, so what did we learn? Don't play with a Ouija board. That's what I was going to (laughs) say. So, really don't. (laughs) Because you will open a fucking portal to some shit that you don't understand, and then you're going to have to bring in the fucking experts to clean up your bullshit. (laughs) And we don't fucking know how to do that, so we don't want you to open shit. Mm Mm-mm. Let sleeping ghosts lie. <laughs> also, just because you delete text messages on your phone doesn't mean that the person who you were texting deleted theirs mm-hmm. or that it's not stuck in the cloud somewhere. Mm-hmm. Look, somebody told me, <laughs> I think we've said this before on the podcast, but write text messages like you have to read them in a court of law. Yeah. Because that is the most awkward thing when you see like court tv shit and they're having oh. to read like sex like sexting like jody areas yes that we, we that's right yeah. that's why we talked about it like how fucking awkward Mm-mm. i got a different personality okay depending on who i text like that is so awkward <laughs> i mean i might call some people daddy guy <laughs> And they ain't my daddy. (laughs) Your daddy doesn't even answer a fucking house phone, much less text. (laughs) No. You know how your parents are old if they answer the phone, yellow. Mm Mm-hmm. Or he'll just go, yo. Yeah, yo. (laughs) Y'all, seriously, one time I called, and I don't even know why I called, because this is after Mama passed, and he answered the phone. I don't, maybe I thought I could leave a message and he might hear it. Mm Mm-hmm. And he answered. I was like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I don't know how to use a phone. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I remember being in high school and like when you'd call it, it would ring and ring and ring. You're like, oh, they're not there. And then you like, I don't know, you think an answer machine is going to pick up or something. And then it's like, like from a distance too. Like he didn't even like hold it. Yeah. By, it would be like really, sound like it was really far away. And you'd go, yo. And you'd go, hey, is Donna there? What? 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 <laughs> hey, um, hey, Mr. Steve, is Donna there? What? <laughs> oh, 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 no, no. She's not with the mom. With the mom. 
God, yes. <laughs> also, I don't understand calling somebody daddy. What? Like, that makes me so fucking uncomfortable. Love makes you uncomfortable. Yes, People but that ain't hands. fucking love. That ain't love. That ain't holding hands. That is some creepy fucking shit. Um, speak for yourself. No, I, that is so weird to me. I do not want to fuck my daddy. I I don't know. That is weird to me. Why do you want to be called daddy? Like, it blows. Like, don't call me mommy or mama or any. No, I know that you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it makes me so uncomfortable. I can't even say words. Well, well, no, I wouldn't want to be called mama because that's not the role I play. But I'm just saying, that's you. We need you to go to counseling. <laughs> um, no, 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 no fetish judgments. No, but I legit, I don't understand it. Like, like I totally get older guy, younger girl, get it. It can be hot, but don't. He's not your dad. And why would you want to fuck your dad? I don't want to fuck my dad. But you want him to be your daddy. Mm. So what's the difference? I mean, got daddy issues. Raise your hand. My, ra- my hand's raised. <laughs> but it just doesn't. But but why that? Like it just doesn't make sense. Mm, uh, I like it. Well, because. Well, I mean, now the older people are, you know, like 70. grandpa status, and <laughs> yes. that's not sexy. But <laughs> back in my younger days, it was sexy <laughs> when older when older meant like forty five. Forty five, yes. <laughs> and now it's like they're in my dating range. I was gonna say, oh, uh, hey, high school buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, be like, oh, yeah, I'm like out of that. Age range where now you're just accessible. fucking yeah now you're just doing like Anna Nicole Smith at this point yeah you're doing it yeah like I mean <laughs> that fetish had to go away because uh, <laughs> no now you could be mama <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> they call me big mama <laughs> the third thing I learned is I don't know why we always have to do three because this is very hard to come up with three sometimes. <laughs> Wait, let's go back to this real quick. Oh, you want to talk more about the daddy thing? Yeah. Of course you do. (laughs) Look, I'm charging her by the hour now at this point. Not as a hotel, as a psychiatrist. (laughs) Okay. Also, I think for me, well, again, older, I love. I have loved older since I was young. (laughs) You know what I mean. Good story. (laughs) Yay, here's $5. I I mean, I found $5. Fuck. We're probably still saying it wrong. (laughs) Great mom, tell us. You know, that's the thing is that, like, I have always thought men, like, mid-30s to mid-40s was when they were the hottest. Mm. Like, that is when men come into their own, and I'm like, hello. Yes. And it's like, now that's our prime, like, dating range. Yes. Well, so I'm like, yes, but we're not dating. No, and they're <laughs> all married. Yes, and who has time to date right now? Right? Not us. No. But tangent time, on this tangent time, speaking of who's got time to date, apparently me and Carrie, because... We did a Snapchat filter where it turns you into boys. <laughs> and I look like her ex and she looks like mine. <laughs> what does that say about us? <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> Real bad. Hashtag codependent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But I don't want to date you, okay? No. No. <laughs> Well, I mean, those relationships didn't work out. For good reason. <laughs> it's like, look, I can only handle two of Donna in my life. 
two have Donna in real life. One. Yeah. One. <laughs> Whatever. You know I can't count. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note, remember, creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.